This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Kenny and Heilprin back in one piece, or I guess multiple pieces, because there are two of us from Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. Zach, first and foremost, has Brett Bielema unblocked you on Twitter? He has not. However, should I get my breaking news sounder ready? However, he was not the only member of that family that had me blocked. His wife, Jen, had me blocked as well. She, I believe, was the first one to block me. And it's been like that for at least five or six years, as long as I can remember. And so when I went to check Brett Bielema today to see if he had unblocked me, which he has not, I came across the account of Jen Bielema. And it is now open for me to see. Wow. Which means I've been unblocked by Jen Bielema. So one down, two to go. Excuse me, one down, one to go. There is one of two things I think that could have happened. Number one, they had a conversation after we talked to Brett at the table yesterday about the season and specifically about him blocking you on Twitter. Either one, he went back to the hotel, he called his wife, wherever she was, and they had a conversation. I could see that happening. I can't. Number two, which might be more realistic, Jen Bielema doesn't even control her own account, and Brett Bielema also used that as a pseudo-burner and then logged into your account to unblock you but forgot that he was on his burner account, which is his wife's, which also had you blocked. I'm too tired to, to, make, that, <laughs> to make that work in my head at this point, but I will say this. Uh, that's a good first step. I think that's a good first step. I don't know if if, uh, the next step of this is going to happen or not, but that's a good first step in my opinion. I think it's a very good first step. So that means Big Ten Media Days were a success. Well, I mean, it's it's a – I mean, it was success just getting him on the show. You're welcome. Yes, your dogged uh, nature of just continuing to pester the guy from Illinois was amazing. It was very, very good. Now, I think I deserve a little bit of credit for that uh, that pestering because there's not a chance after he told you no the first time that you were ever going to go back three or four more times to do it unless I told you to, which well, you did, and I appreciate that. You got it done. Let's not forget the second time I went to ask. I mistakenly asked their athletic director. That's right thinking he was their SIDPR guy. I look down there and he's talking to Josh. <laughs> he's talking to Josh Whitman. I'm like, what is he doing? Why? Why? And like Whitman, like had just like the most confused look on his face ever. Like, what is this guy? Who is this guy? Why is he asking me about getting Brett Bielma on the radio? Um, but yes, that was the second time, but you went down and, and uh, did it a couple more times and we got him. And that uh, was a success. Now we've got one Bielma that has unblocked me. We're going to be working on that second one now. So if you missed it, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, Zach and myself were down in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. We were live from 2 to 4. The podcast is available of both shows, wherever you find podcasts. On Tuesday, we talk with Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck, Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan, and Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez interview was tremendous stuff on this team, Graham Mertz, NIL, everything. Uh, The field being named after him last season. And then on Wednesday, we had on Keanu Benton, Nick Herbig, and Graham Mertz. 
Didn't think we would have anyone else after that, but then towards the end of the show, we were able to get seven or eight minutes with Illinois head coach Brett Bielema. I'm going to play the 30-second clip that has struck the world by fire in the last 24 hours. So as the conversation was winding down, this is the clip and the exchange we are referring to. Before we do let you go, I have to, this is a little bit selfish on my part here. Um, Back in the day, when you were at Arkansas, uh, the karma thing, right? The karma thing? The the karma, like the hashtag karma, that that went out there. Um, I may have used it once or twice. I got you. And I feel like that may have led to me getting blocked on Twitter. From me or By you. I'm wondering if it's possible to get unblocked because I feel like I haven't u- I haven't used it in a long time, and I and I really enjoy following you. Yeah. So I was wondering if that'd be a possibility. I can definitely look into it. Okay. All right. All right. Good. That's, great. Under that's, evaluation. that's all I can ask. I still love. I said this yesterday. I love how he right after you asked or said that he had blocked you, he said, "Who? Me or my wife?" <laughs> it's hard to hear there. It's hard to hear there, and I didn't hear it in, initially. But had he said that, I would have said. Both. Because at the time, it was both. Now it's only one. So, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Do I follow Jen Bielema? No. But maybe, maybe, hit that follow button. It gets them talking more. And it maybe potentially, potentially, leads to getting unblocked so we have to set a date that this has to happen i don't think we need to set a date we don't don't have control over that i would almost say this the attempts have to be successful by the time illinois comes to madison that's probably fair are you going to ask about it in the post-game media press conference Absolutely not probably not absolutely hard to say no there's absolutely no no like just go to that so like just say nothing happened at the at wisconsin's (laughs) post-game press conference i'm just going to head down to the the, the field house, uh, the underneath the field house, and, and listen to Brett's uh, press conference instead. Uh, maybe if he wins, maybe maybe if Illinois comes here and wins, maybe that is a worthwhile question in the uh, in the post game. Again, my ideal scenario: take away the on field result because I don't want Illinois to win that game. But if Illinois somehow does, I really want Brett Bielema to unblock you and immediately after unblocking you, tweet hashtag Karma. <laughs> that would make it all worthwhile. That might ease the sting of the loss completely. I mean, there's no chance in, in hell that if they beat Wisconsin, that karma's not trending. Like it's there's a it's tr- for sure. There there's not a chance that it would not be uh, trending if Illinois beats Wisconsin with Brett Bielema as, as coach. And he doesn't even need to tweet it. Like Jen could probably tweet it, and it would go, and it would be. It would go viral. It would blow up. Yeah. I'm excited. October 1st, Illinois at Wisconsin. Second Big Ten game for the Badgers after visiting Ohio State. So, Zach, I want to talk Big Ten Media Day as a whole in a second here before we get into what we have coming up, which is Kirk Ferentz sat down and joined us while we were in Indianapolis, Iowa head coach entering his 24th season. We'll hear that conversation coming up in about 15 to 20 minutes. And then later in the show, I have my gambling brain was on full display in the last two hours prepping this show today. I have put together prop bets for Wisconsin season. It has to do with team wide player specific unit wide, whatever. We'll get to that. We'll give our leans or bets. Maybe the lines are horrible and we'll correct them live on air, but that's what we're going to hit after Kirk Ferentz. So big 10 media day wide, I guess the first question I want to ask here is, 
did any overall thoughts change about state of the Big Ten, state of college football, opinion on any of the teams, anything along those lines? For me, no. Nothing really changed in, in my mind. I think the, the best news that came out of it, if we want to, because we are uh, a Wisconsin-focused show, is the injury news that came out of it for Wisconsin, specifically in terms of Ches Malusi and Isaac Rendo being ready to at least take part in some of fall camp. Now, it's not going to be full go. That wouldn't be smart. Paul Chris said as much. But I think when it comes to Wisconsin, what came out of that is that outside of a few guys, and perhaps guys that weren't necessarily going to be counted on to to be big-time um, contributors, they're going, they're going in relatively healthy. And that does, doesn't usually uh, stay that way. But as of right now, as Paul Chris said, they will knock on wood and, and hope that it that it does stay that way. But that, to me, was the biggest takeaway coming out uh, for sure. And then, obviously, you know, getting Titus Toller back and, um, you know, Isaac Ham situation. But the injuries were good news, I think, coming out. Yeah, it was the words Paul Chris used when talking about Ches Malusi and Isaac Arendo. But I think it was the tone more than anything. He seemed he didn't want to be too optimistic and dangerously optimistic, but just reading into the tone at which he presented that information makes you feel good about where the running back depth will be and the health of those two guys. The Isaac Cam thing you mentioned, Isaac Cam, 2022 four-star outside linebacker from in-state. He is not yet with the program, taking classes locally. I guess expected to join soon, but we don't know when. So not yet with the program. Uh, And Titus Toller, as you mentioned, who had previously stepped away from football due to medical reasons, safety is back on the roster. I Overall, I mean, we talked a lot about state of, college football state of the big 10 stuff. I don't really want to do that today because the season is approaching training camps approaching. This should be, you know, all football all the time. The only place my thoughts kind of changed is I don't really understand the whole Purdue thing this season. And you're going to roll your eyes. I'm rolling my eyes because this came out of nowhere. We're, we're on the way home last night. We're just trying to find something to listen to that both of us could agree on, which was apparently pretty difficult. Um, Sorry, I was not interested despite, in John Wilkes Booth. Despite the fact that, that was not what the issue was, like you, you, you <laughs> took issue with every single thing that I turned on. Um, but, Don't flip this on me. But but it is on you. It is on you. Either way, we were listening to uh, the uh, ESPNU, I think, station, and they had Matt McGloin on, the former uh, Penn State quarterback, and he was asked who he asked coming out of the East, and obviously Ohio State. He's got Ohio State winning the conference. He was asked who he's got coming out of the West. And he pumped up uh, Purdue, like said that he thinks that's their year to get to to punch their way through to the West because they have the best quarterback. He mentioned some other things that I don't necessarily remember, but he put he put it out there. He said Wisconsin's going to he, he talked about Graham Mertz struggles, said Iowa's going to take a big step back. Like he thinks Purdue, this is the year that they slam through and, and get to Indy and become the first team not named Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern to play there. Yeah, and I don't get it. I think last year was the outlier season. But you're literally, you're literally the only person that, like, or I should say, he's literally the only person that is saying that. I guess where it's coming from is I'm trying to craft how I see the Big Ten West playing out. And while there could be an argument made for five teams winning it, that being Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Purdue, some cases are better than others, but there is a case for one of those five to win. I'm starting to get more and more down on Purdue's chances in that regard. But you you are a lover of AOC. I am. I think Both he's the best quarterback in the division. 
But still, it's one of those things where, you know, when Wisconsin played them last year. He wasn't per- very good. Purdue also could not run the ball. Couldn't run the ball, and they they shut down David Bell. He was he was virtually non-existent. And, I mean, he, got, I know he, he didn't get benched, but they brought in different quarterbacks to try and, like, jumpstart that offense. Like, Jim Leonard had the Purdue offense, like, at a chokehold, and it just didn't matter. And that was coming off what they had done to Iowa, like, a week and a half earlier where he's throwing for like 400 yards and tearing up an Iowa defense that was really, really good. David Bell, non-existent. AOC, non-existent. Like it was, Wisconsin just has had Purdue's number outside of one year. You go back to 2018 where they were able to put up all those kind of points on them. Outside of that, Wisconsin has held Purdue in check for a large stretch. Like they have not beaten Wisconsin 2003? 17 years? 18? I thought it was 2019. I thought it was. It's a long time. Yeah, 2003, I think it is. But it's one of those things to me where when I look at the real contenders in the West, Wisconsin being one of them, they are obviously a terrific running team. Minnesota can run the football if Mo Ibrahim is healthy. Even, even, without, even if he's not. They were good last year doing it with fifth and sixth string guys. Yep. I don't know what Nebraska's will look like. Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator going there, is a big pass guy. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not going to run the ball, according to uh, Pat Narduzzi. It's either going to be great there, or it's going to be a complete disaster and nothing in the middle. But they're that wild card anyway, overall this season. And Iowa, they'll definitely try to run the ball a lot. I don't think I'm confident they can be very effective doing it. But even so, I... What crushed Purdue last year, Xander Horvath, their running back, gets hurt in week two. Then they have this guy, King Daru, play the rest of the season. And he averaged like three and a half yards per carry. They could not run the football. And I don't see how that comes back and is better this year. So you think about, I mean, almost all the Big Ten West winners, and it's a Big Ten brand thing. But overall, I think to win this division, you have to be good to great at running the football. Because when you get into a sloppy game and they're going to come, and you can't control the clock at all, you're going to lose. So the more I think about this Purdue team, and did it come from one guy predicting them to win? Maybe. It, it, that's all it came from. I don't get it, though. Yeah, you know, I, I understand that. Wisconsin has, has owned this series. Uh, going back, though, like, they were kind of a thorn in Wisconsin's side. They were Northwestern before Northwestern in, uh, in the um, mid ninety, like in the 90s with Joe Tiller. So like, the games used to matter a lot. I mean, no, they didn't. Uh, but, <laughs> like, they... they uh, they beat Wisconsin four times. I mean, they went four and three against them uh, from 95 to 2003, and now they have lost every single year since. That started with that just crazy 2004 game. That uh, do, you, um, do you remember Kyle Orton? Yeah. The quarterback? Got when he played at Purdue, not really, no, but, but I remember, remember you know him. The name. You know yes. the name, right? Uh, he was a Heisman candidate. They were undefeated. They were ranked, uh, what were they ranked? Fifth in the country. It was game day. It was everything. Wisconsin was was really good that year. And Kyle Orton, they had all they had to do was run the ball out. Goes on a boot, gets helicoptered, ball falls down. Wisconsin picks up, takes it back for touchdown. Wisconsin wins. Purdue's program program has never been the same since then. That you go and look at the records before then and after then, it's insane. Wisconsin broke Purdue back in two thousand three, and they still haven't recovered. That was post Drew Brees, pre Drew Brees. Post Drew Brees. Post? Yeah. That's what I figured. Just wanted to confirm. Drew Brees, yeah. Drew Brees, I believe, took them to the Rose Bowl in 2000. All right. 608-321-1670. A couple other things I just noted, thinking back to Big Ten Media Day quickly. Number one, and we'll hit this quick because I don't want to do a lot of Big Ten expansion stuff, but don't listen to every report that's out there. 
We saw the one that came from a bunch of people that the Big Ten is currently targeting. Cal, Washington, Stanford, and Oregon to maybe go up to 20 this soon. And we talked about this in the car ride back. My first reaction was, why would they do that now? One, Notre Dame is the wild card. I would think you would wait to see what's good with them. Two, why in the world would you as a conference leak that out during your media days? So when you think about it that way, it probably came somewhere out west. Some school wants to up its value, or the Pac-12 does even, to whatever TV network or whatever it is. I It just doesn't make much sense. So in terms of this expansion thing, we are really at the point where until it is confirmed and reported, I'm not believing anything. Yeah, I think the more important thing probably coming down the line is is that is the new media deal, right? It's it's and that reportedly is going to be happening like in the next few weeks. So that that is the number that you're going to watch and like at that point why would you unless there's something built into the contract to say uh when we bring these new teams in we're going to renegotiate again? Why would you uh, agree to that? I mean, they pushed this off because they knew USC and UCLA were coming. If they were petitioning, if they were going to potentially push this off because they knew some other teams were going to be coming, maybe this thing wouldn't be leaking out here in these next, uh, not leaking out, but like being reported here in yeah. the next couple of weeks. Like you, you would push it off even further, would you not? Not that, again, not that I think that this is going to, adding those four teams is going to add like a significant, significant more money to it. I think it would probably take away from, uh, some of the the money that would be coming in but if 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 you're worried that those teams are going to somehow end up somewhere else that and and you desperately want them you want that west coast just that entire market or that entire uh, side of the country then i guess you would do it but i i don't think anybody's running at them to add them at this point plus i don't know why you would do it take away notre dame even with other theoretical fits out there where maybe you look to the eastern side of the country just seems like narrowing down to just rating the pac 12 isn't the best but here's also a thing if it's going to be 24 teams at at the end of it why does it matter if you add four now yeah but i don't think anyone really knows at that point so it could be a read and react situation where the sec might go add three to four teams two years from now and then the big 10 as a way to respond to that does the same but wouldn't you rather get it now as opposed to letting these 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 schools get into a deal with whatever uh however they're going to do it whether it's the pack pack 12 and the big 12 or whatever it's going to be like coming together and somehow joining wouldn't you rather describe them now or would you think that they would leave no matter what in three to four years be like oh we're going to jump to the big 10 i think they would leave no matter what but do you think it kind of like the acc where it's built in like you can't leave would there be something you would think there might be something included in that yeah Whatever media deal the Pac-12 slash whoever the heck they are going to put together would be with. I think they'll try. I don't know how successful. I think it's something that can be fought and just won with paying money in court. Where at the end of the day, if it comes down to it and they need to make the jump, they'll find a way to do it. Let's see. I'm... <laughs> The AC, I mean, that's what people are saying about the ACC, and it hasn't happened. I mean, it's it has yet to happen. Yeah. And I don't but- know in, the, in what world anybody's going to be paying... Like, say you want to get Florida State at the ACC. We, we were talking about this on the way home. You're going to pay. Someone's like, oh, just give them $500 million, you know, and and uh, let them walk. I'm like, that's not how it's going to work. That's 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 just stupid. Um, but that's what they were suggesting on the, like, that's not how this is going to play out. Yeah. Part of the jumping thing from the ACC, though, is everyone expected it to happen all of a sudden, where as soon as the USC news dropped, everyone just looked to what the next news could be. I think it's a realistic scenario where that jumping happens. 
but it just doesn't happen right now. Yeah. No, Kevin Warren has said we're in year two of five years of disruption. And so year two is not going to be the, uh, the end of it, for, obviously. There's, there's a few more years that we are going to have to deal with the upheaval that, is, that uh, we're currently seeing, and it's going to change the face of college football and, and all the tradition that uh, Ben likes. Like the, Big Ten, like the Big Ten West uh, Conference and division titles, the conference titles, the conference title that regular season the games. conference championship game, uh, the the historic was uh, Big Ten uh, conference championship game. Listen, Out college window, football, scene. college football is a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. I get sad when all of this strict structure gets thrown on it. I like the days of arguing in circles about who should be fifth in the playoff rankings or better when there were only two of them, who should be second and third. Why can't we argue about who should be the 17th or 18th? Like who's 17th or 18th? Because who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. They don't have a chance. The fifth, the fifth team, fifth and sixth team don't have a chance to win either. I know you argued about it. I know. That's why I'm, that's why I oppose the fourteen playoff. I'd rather them just go back to one national title game. God, you're boring. <laughs> All right, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. That will be a consistent theme. We'll get we'll sprinkle that in as time goes by. But coming up next, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz joined us in Indianapolis. You will hear that conversation after that. We're talking props prop bets for Wisconsin's 2022 season. When we come back again, Kirk Ferentz, it's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back in. It's Kenny and Heilprin. All of the Big Ten Media Day show podcasts are up. Just search Kenny and Heilprin or it's on Twitter at Kenny underscore Heilprin, where all the interviews, all the chatter, all the news, all the notes, all the opinion from Big Ten Media Day, that is where you will find it. The only interview we neglected to share while in Indianapolis was Kirk Ferentz, who joined us. Uh, Good of him to join us. Awesome stuff. Uh, Here is that conversation with the Iowa head coach. Joining us now at the table, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Kirk, I mean, we definitely get the jitters with football season now pretty much 30 days away. Are you still a little anxious jitters coming here for Big Ten Media Day and now the season pretty much here? Some things never end or never change, and that's certainly one of them. And, um, you know, it's the same way when we start work in January. I feel feel the same way driving in the office for the first time after a break. Uh, So, yeah, it never gets old, and there's always something – that you're worried about missing or details, those types of things. And uh, it only gets worse as the first game of, approaches. Is there an excitement level, though, too? Like getting like, to be able yeah. to jump into this? It's a new team. Yeah, obviously, I believe this is year 24. Is that is that, that's right? Does it does it ever lose that excitement, though, going into it? You, you know, it doesn't. Uh, and I suppose when it starts, that's when it's time to, you know, do something else. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great thing about sports, I think. You know, if you're not a little bit anxious and a little bit, uh, you know, concerned about this or that, then probably not paying attention to things. So, uh, again, whether it's in January when you're really starting a new year, new team, a new season, uh, that's the very basic beginning of it. Or even up until the last game, there's always that anxiety because you think everybody wants to perform well. And what we do is very public at some point. So, um, you know, sure, there's anxiety and excitement. And, you know, both of those are good. I think they're both healthy. 
And so Iowa wins a very tightly contested West last year, obviously with Wisconsin there, Minnesota, Purdue also. I mean, from my perspective, it seems like the division is as wide open going into this year as it's been. Is that uh, is that fair to say, do you think? I, I sit in the same seat. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, uh, you know, you look top to bottom. Uh, there, there's nobody, excuse me, there's nobody that can't beat the other team in our division. I don't think that's a debate. Uh, I just look at it and look at a tough game in each each and every one of those contests, and uh, that, that's why you play the entire season because you just never know what's going to happen. Last year was a representative of that. But, yeah, that's, that's a great thing, and I think that's a great thing about conference football and our conference. That seems to be the way it is. got a former Badger on your staff now in uh, John Budmeyer, obviously the quarterback's coach for Wisconsin for a while, was at Colorado State. What has he brought to your staff? Yeah, well, we finally got John to, to come to Iowa. We tried hard when he was a uh, prospect out of uh, Marion Catholic, you know, and Brian Blog had played there. And uh, John, John was a really impressive young guy in high school and uh, great respect for him when he was at Wisconsin. And then he did a great job, I thought, at Colorado State. We played against those guys. Uh, it just, it's just it's perfect timing for us right now. Um, you know, it's going to work out really well, hopefully, for him. But for us, uh, I think it's a real bonus because, first of all, he's a first-class guy. Secondly, uh, he's got a lot of expertise, certainly in the quarterback and the offensive area. And uh, we made a staff change where we have a new quarterback coach right now who's never coached a position. So, you know, what, what an unbelievable resource John's going to be for Brian. And uh, I think that's just a mutually beneficial thing for all of us. So a lot of the linebacker on defense core returns this year. How much there do you think is, you know, a program like Iowa or Wisconsin, a Big Ten West program, where when you get those upperclassmen linebackers to stay, you can maybe continue that success into the next year? It, it sure helps. And uh, two years ago, we were in a different situation. We had all new young linebackers. I think about our opening game and we had a couple guys out. So it got a little dicey. They're a little exciting. Uh, so it is a luxury, certainly. We, we lost some really good players out of our secondary last year uh, and a guy up front, Zach Van Valkenburg. But um, to have the linebackers back intact and then we still have some good guys in our secondary, good guys up front, that experience on defense is always helpful. A uh, big part of defense is, you know, experience plays into it largely if you have good players. And these guys are good players. Wisconsin, I'm not, you know, not saying that they've had a lot of good players and a lot of experienced players. So, yeah, it's nice to be able to build around those guys, and I'm, I'm sure they'll do a great job of setting tempo for us. Uh, Kirk, I wanted to ask you about something you set up on the uh, on the podium. Um, I believe you were quoted as saying, I'm, I'm really concerned the path college football is going down right now. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously in uh, very different times right now, and, you know, there, there's always been challenges, and there have always been distractions, um, you know, challenges for the people playing, the people coaching, distractions for all of us. That's part of life, but... Uh, the distractions our young people have to deal with right now uh, are mounting. Uh, you know, they, they only have, all of us in life, have so much time, so much energy, and there are a lot of, a lot of places for them to spend it. Big, bigger picture right now, I just look at uh, college football, and I think instead of having structure, uh, we're drifting away from that. Uh, whereas I coached in the NFL for six years where there was a salary cap, there were clear rules about movement of players and coaches as well. So, um you know, the bottom line there is at least, you know, pretty much all 32 teams were on the same footing and uh, played by the same rules. I'm not sure that's happening in college. And I think especially in the last six months, just read the paper. It seems like things are getting a little fuzzier in terms of how things get interpreted. So uh, at my at some point, I just have to think we'd be better off if we could get together collectively, whoever we is and and formulate what it is college football is going to look like and, and uh, how we're all going to move forward together. 
I just think it would be better for the, the the entire enterprise. I think that's one of the reasons the Big Ten has been so successful because we do revenue share. Uh, there's not great disparity from you know one program to the other financially. We all have our built-in advantages, disadvantages, but at least there's some some level of uh, commonality there. And uh, I just I, I see I can envision, especially at the NIL, the days of old, where you know a certain group of teams just kind of separate themselves and. You end up with uh, those seventy-seven to nothing scores, and that's not good for anybody when that, that happens. Both both teams lose in those cases. So, yeah, there's there's a lot going on right now. I just think uh, some point, some way, we're gonna have to come up with um, a little better framework, a little better structure, so the good of the game will continue to move forward. Last one before we let you go. Appreciate you joining us. Is there uh, kind of with where we're going in the future? Do you think the division structure in the Big Ten and what, especially the West or even go out in the East, and we don't know as much about that, but uh, do you think there should be some sort of division structure that stays? Obviously, the rivalry games stay there, but what the West has kind of created? Yeah, you know, I have no idea how it's going to look in two years, let alone five years. It just, I think pretty much, uh, especially this last expansion, just tells you that borders aren't really priority right now and traditions aren't a priority so i think as we move forward we just have to be prepared to look at things a little bit differently than we did maybe 10 15 20 years ago and certainly 40 years ago uh and just realize that for what it is uh, we are in an entertainment business if you will and, and i'll go back to that 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 idea of structure and format uh just compared to pro sports look at look at baseball where you know, the New York, it's good to be a Yankee. It's good to be a Dodger from a revenue standpoint. And your salary cap's going to be a lot higher than, say, the Pittsburgh Pirates, my hometown team. Uh, that That's what I worry about. And that's where pro football's got it figured out. They figured out what's best for everybody involved. And, and the original owners, even to modern day, have all, you know, worked in a way where it's good for the collective enterprise. And I'm not sure what it's going to look like in college football, but I hope we keep that in mind. You know, what's good for the entire uh, game because we do have a great game and uh, I don't think anybody wants to see those games where it's 77 to nothing. That's just not good. Yeah. Awesome. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Best guys. of luck this season. Thank you. There he is. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz entering his 24th year as head coach there. Big 10 West defending champion. Kirk Ferentz said, you know, we got to keep what's best. We got to think about what's best for college football. He and I agree that we should keep the Big 10 West intact. I think it's hilarious, uh, the, the 77 to nothing thing. I think that's hilarious that I'm just now remembering that he said that because I heard that same stupid-ass BS from uh, somebody last night in the car on the ride home, and I, I thought it was like... Who could that be? I thought it was original thought coming out of your head, and it was not. It was Oh, it is. It was almost word for word what Kirk Ferentz just said. No, 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 no. Let's not do it that. It was the exact same score. It was the exact same score. I think I gave the other team a little more credit. No, you didn't. Who, no one wants to see 77 and nothing. It's true. You expand the playoff to 16 teams. And again, the only competitive games are going to be the ones when you get down to four or when you get down to two. And like, will watching more games be fun? Sure. But they're not going to be good football games. It's like the NFL expanded their playoffs. The first round this year sucked. There were blowouts all over the board because some teams like the Philadelphia Eagles were not playoff caliber team. Then the next round was like the best thing we've ever seen because that's when the actual playoff caliber teams were there. I don't need to see nine and four Wisconsin or Iowa go up against Georgia. Yeah, I I, I, uh, didn't think the playoff in the second round was very good. Um, And I got to see a game in person and it wasn't good football. 
it was actually really poor football. Well, so that was an that, inter- if if that's your argument for uh, like. Should I go through that whole slate of games? But no, I'm telling I'm I'm telling you specifically of the game that I saw with my own two eyes. It was the one of the uglier football games I've seen. But I would argue it was entertaining in the snow. It was ugly, but well, it was can entertaining. You, can you imagine a game in the snow at Camp Randall or at Iowa City or Ohio State or or Michigan? But Wisconsin would have to be a top six seed to get. I'm talking home about Wisconsin. Game. I'm talking about anybody else. Anybody of those top teams having to come, making those teams come north. I'm in favor in, of that in December. Come on now. I'm in favor of that, but I know it's not the moneymaker, so it won't happen. Instead, they'll go play in a perfectly manicured dome like American Family Field as long as there's no weather in play, no rain outs, no snow outs, and then uh, climate controlled on turf, make the Ohio State guys faster. That's what it's going to be. It's not. I bet you it won't be. There's no way that they're going to play those games at neutral sites because how do you get the parents to all those neutral sites? I don't know. You don't. They're making all the money. They'll pay for him to go. Think about how much money all this is generating. I know. What I'm the, saying the is... The schools will chip in for the parents to go? I'm saying it doesn't make a ton of sense to put those all in neutral sites. At least the first round... This is so stupid. This is the conversation. <laughs> but I guarantee you it's a conversation that's being had. There's not a chance that you're putting these games at like both sites and neutral sites. There's just not. You're playing... The, like At least the first rounds can be played on campus. There's just no way to ways, two ways about it. Maybe the first two rounds are being played at campus. On the SEC campuses and Ohio State. And Michigan. And Maybe. Mi- and Michigan State. Mm, I'm going to push back on that one. No, they're going to have to come north. And and by north, I mean they're going to have to go potentially to Oklahoma in December, which is not warm at all. Uh, and, like, that type of stuff. Notre Dame could have. Notre Dame, some another games. team, having to, having to come north. Or having USC and UCLA, which they're already going to be playing in cold environments in 2024. But having to do it for the, in the playoff? Oof. Yeah. All or, right. Oregon in the cold? Come on now. Yeah. Miami in the cold? We, we already saw how well, that. Well, Miami's already going to get waxed. We already, we already saw how that played out in the 2009 Champs Sports Bowl when it was 50 degrees and they had heaters on the sideline against Wisconsin. Yeah. Crypto Ball is going to need to work some some magic down there. What was there. that? Crypto Ball? Mario Crypto Ball. That's their, because that's how they're paying for everybody? That's their NIL push. Ah, Crypto nice. Ball. Nice. Not my joke. That came from. Uh, some of the great college football. I, I'm not going to take credit for that one, but that's no, a good one. You, you I'm going to recycle it. Yeah, only taking credit for the 77 to nothing idea. I, it just came to my mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back. You were so pissed. It was hilarious. I I am mad. We're devaluing the regular season. Conference titles aren't going to exist anymore. But listen, the season is near, and this season still has the format that we all love and all know. So we'll get more into that. When we come back. Wisconsin prop bets for this season. I looked back through the previous couple seasons for all the players that are playing again this year and for the team as a whole. Which sides would we take here? We're talking offense, defense, team-wide, individual player, position group, all that good stuff. That is coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back. It's Kenny and High Oprin. 608-321-1670. Twitter, Kenny underscore High Oprin. Podcast always up immediately following the program. So, Zach, this, this whole college football playoff thing, I would love to just sit down and talk about it for hours. 
but it's something that we are going to talk about when this season concludes. So while it interests me because I care a lot about college football, it's not one of the newsworthy things where this is about to be decided. We have this season and I want to bask in when conference tournaments and championships still exist. I believe you called me a casual off air. (laughs) No, you did. No, I said you did because I'm okay with a 16 uh, team tournament in in college football. You called me a casual. As many listen, casual viewers of the sport. That's what they want. Uh, I'm not a casual viewer of the sport. I'm not saying you are. I'm but saying, but I want to see that. Okay. Well, I'm saying so do casual viewers. Okay, but diehards diehards want BCS. That's yes, what they want. Diehards want to go back to when we can have pointless arguments you, for who gets. You realize you realize the diehards are the, are the reason some of that got changed, right? Like because it just didn't well, make no, any sense. They wanted to make more money, but it just didn't make any sense either. But how much sense does it make now? It makes more sense now to have four teams, even though it's still decided by a stupid ass committee. Here's my whole thing. One sentence. Sixteen teams. College football. Brand. College football is a complete mess, but the structure of it, it is a beautiful mess. It is a fun mess. I you, bask you, in the you, arguments you over... You are entirely too young for this. Like, you are entirely too young. Like, you should be living in the 1960s. That's, <laughs> that's about where you're at right now. I'm not trying to back in my day anybody. You are exactly that. I wish the writers... I wish the media got to choose who the national... That was who, a joke. Choose the national title. <laughs> that was a joke. But, like... It's not, though. Like, you kind of just want to go back to the BCS. Like, it was so a computer decides who gets to play in the national title game. And it has nothing to do with uh, what you say is uh, people that know the sport. Yeah. I'm, I mean, listen, this is we're going to spend shows and shows talking about this. I want to hit this quick. Wisconsin season prop bets. I put my gambling brain together for a little bit. I'm going to present it. You are going to give your thought over or under whatever the certain stat is. I, I may give a retort. And then we will move on to the next. What are we calling these? Old man Ben uh, over under props? Bookie Ben? Beat writer Ben showed up in Indy. This old, is Bookie Ben. Uh, oh, I was going to say old man Ben, but. <sighs> All right. Over under for Wisconsin <laughs> this season, Zach. One loss at home. Over under one home loss. And obviously out of conference is all at home. But then in conference, Minnesota, Purdue, Maryland, Illinois. One. Can I say, can I push like you, you? That's why you need to make this like one and a half, man. No, but then one would be the obvious answer. The whole thing is it's one. So then take it at a half. No, but I set it at one so that you have to go either way with it. Because I, I agree. I would I, pick one, too. But I don't have to. All right. Well, then I'll move on. No, to I'm the just next. messing with you. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. <laughs> I think of the games that potentially could go against Wisconsin, I think sneaky one because of the quarterback is Washington State. Oh, I thought you were going to say Maryland. No, no. Very sne- but no, no, no. Maryland is the team that gets going very very hot and then cools off a lot. Maryland has a better chance at beating Wisconsin than Washington State. I'm saying it's I just said sneaky. That's fair. That guy's you, who who which quarterback would you rather have? Today? One guy's one guy's a top Talia. One guy's a top 10 potential uh, uh like a, a first round pick. Yeah, I'd year. rather have Talia. I'll talk about Iloa from Maryland. All right, that's fine. I think that's a sneaky one, but of the other ones, obviously Minnesota would, would, would be there, but I also think Wisconsin coming off of what happened last year, it's going to, it's going to take it to them. Like, what sucks is we kind of said that going into last year's Minnesota game. Uh, no, we didn't. But the thought of they kind of let the season slip away. Then they re grasped it with that winning streak. And then we said, okay, senior laden team, how are they going to let this one slip by after getting the season back? Right. I said that. Yeah. 
I'm more thinking about this as coming off the 2018 loss at home, and the next year was 2019, and they went up there in a season that was the best that Minnesota's ever had, according to P.J. Fleck, and took took it to them, hammered them. And I, I kind of feel like that is kind of being how they judge this offseason. When we talked, we talked to Braylon Allen about it. Like, which game do you have circled? Obviously, Minnesota. Yep. What happened? I I don't think they're going to lose Minnesota at home. So I'm, I'll, I guess I'll take under. Okay. I will. I'll take the over just to disagree. Over under one half, 0.5 starts for Logan Brown. <sighs> That's a tough one. Because injuries happen. I'm taking the over. Because gonna, I think at some point he will start a game. I'm going to take the over as well. However, uh, based on, I think some maybe we're going to get into here later in the show. Um, I personally am uh, going to be able to, after I watch practice for the first day, come back and change my my dis, my uh, my vote here. Okay, that's Is that fair. Okay? Is that yeah. fair? All right. Sure. So I'm going to take over. Okay. Uh, over under one and a half a thousand yard rushers on this team. Under. I agree. I think Braylon does it. I think Chez, if he is the second guy, gets close and is productive, but not the volume that he was on track to get last season. Would they have had it last year? Yes. If he doesn't get hurt? No doubt. Okay. Well, I think they rush much better against Minnesota, and then he also gets carries and has success against Nebraska and some of those teams uh, down the stretch. Over under one and a half, 400-yard receivers. Is that... He was not the pro- like I, I I'm t- more talking about Braylon. Does Braylon get enough carries to get to a thousand? Oh no doubt. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I think Braylon does it definitely. I'm talking about last year. Oh yes, I think he does. Like had last had Ches not gotten hurt, would he have gotten enough carries to get to a thousand? Yeah, I think they're more effective as an offense overall. So yes, last year. Yes, last year. Okay. Uh, so last well, season, speaking of last year, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor each surpassed 400 receiving yards. Jim Ray DK, 272. This year, over under one and a half, 400-yard receivers. Well, I think Chim's going to be over it for sure. I'm going to go over. Is it You said one and a half? One and a half. Oh, yeah. Oh, f- for sure. Oh, uh, over for sure. I think I'd take the under. Because I think Jim Ray DK's there, and then I think a lot of the other guys will be in the 300-ish yard range. Okay. Maybe one can get up and get Here's to the thing. 400. You don't have a tight end taking a whole bunch of that those catches away at this point. Well, that's my next question. Over under three receiving touchdowns by tight ends this season. I'll say, well, last year there were four. I'm going to say, I was going to say more, but then also they got to remember who's throwing the ball and that's significant, whether that's going to happen or not. I'm going to, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take the over. I have the under. Okay. I mean, are I you just, keeping track of this? No, but I'll go back and okay. keep track. All right. Um, what are the other ones I had? Uh, over under four. Eh, this is kind of hard to quantify, but four outside linebackers in the regular rotation. How deep do they really go regularly? Take away injury because Herbig's one, yep. and then the combo of Getz, Daryl Peterson, Caden Johnson, Bull, uh, TJ Ballers. So that would be five if all of them are there. Yes. One note of this, I, I don't know the answer to this one. That's a really tough one. Uh, to quantify, you're right. I probably would say over because I've said that they have five starters. One interesting note from that uh, roster that we saw, CJ gets up 10 pounds to 250. Ooh. That's going to be uh, – he's your run st- He's your run guy. Well, let's hope it's a nimble 250 yes. as well. Uh, last one, over under one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio for Mertz. Which way does it go? Is he positive or is it negative? 
It's going to be positive. I'm, I'm just, it has to be positive. It better be positive. It has to be positive. How about touchdowns to interceptions plus fumbles? I would take one to one. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, uh, we can't do that. You have to take over or under. Under. All right, so I'm going to take over. I just don't trust it. Yeah, like, you don't trust him. I don't. A doppelganger you do not trust. I don't know how I can, honestly. All right. Uh, when we come back, there is a very pressing piece of news that we have to update regarding the show and something we talked about recently. I have a proposition to Zach. We will see what he says about it. That is coming up next. Final segment, Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, quick before we get out of here, it's Kenny and Heilprin. So a couple weeks ago, when talking about Wisconsin's roster, we talked about guys that can break out this season, guys that are not at the front of the depth chart that could end up having a big impact. My team, if you will, was James Thompson Jr., defensive end, Keontes Lewis, wide receiver, Riley Malman at uh, tackle, whatever side, and Spencer Lytle, inside linebacker. Zach took Daryl Peterson, Marcus Allen, Jack Pugh, and TJ Ballers. And now, everyone, everyone can screw off that took issue with Daryl Peterson. I agree. Now, we learned in media days that inside linebacker Spencer Lytle is injured. Didn't sound severe, but not at the point where he's full go for training camp, which kind of makes it impossible for him to really break out because he's going to be behind schedule and not getting those reps. And he switched to that position, so it's not natural. I propose that I get to pick a new guy. And I propose that I uh, will disagree that you get to pick a new guy. Why is that? Why would you get this to pick is, a new guy? You, you literally said you went with Spencer Lytle. But it's before camp started. All right, you get to pick a new guy. Hmm. Can I get Muma Jung Meta? You can get Muma. Okay, done. I was going to take him or Calvar Russo. So, Jung Meta. Muma. Add him to the squad. There we go. It's settled. It's you settled. see? That okay. was easy. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for hanging around. It's been a really fun week. If you want any of our Big Ten Media Day stuff, it's up on the podcast page and on Twitter. Zach has a new profile picture, too, so you should check that out. <laughs> we'll be back next Thursday. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. See ya. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.